It's official, Jaron Hall is the starter, Nick Mullins has been benched. What do we make of all of this, plus your bold predictions on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three, you like it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for those of you who do listen every single day. I appreciate you all very much. If you are new, you can find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is an audio listening place like SiriusXM. And also, if you go to like the SiriusXM app and search out Vikings, you can find live broadcasts of all Vikings games, including this Sunday night coming game against the Green Bay Packers. You can also find the show on Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app and even on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Some news coming out of the day. A few different things interesting to talk about. But the big one is that Kevin O'Connell confirmed and uh, decided, I guess, on quarterback it seemed a little bit different than the Josh Dobbs situation um, for one reason or another, right? In that uh, the the Vikings were having openly Jaron Hall take first team reps. They didn't do that, if I recall, after the Josh Dobbs bye week, like on the Josh Dobbs bye week. Um, even though they did give Nick Mullins some of those first team reps, if I recall, we didn't see it. Uh, and it was it only came out after the fact. Hey, yeah, we know we gave him some first team reps just in case we know we wanted to put him in. Um, in this case, Jaron Hall and Nick Mullins in practice were like swapping reps. They were rotating, at least in the uh, a portion of of practice available to the media. And now on it, or it was announced on Thursday. We know that Jaron Hall is going to be the starter, so he is going to get the rest of practice to himself, right? He gets a Thursday practice or whatever he got of the Wednesday and Thursday practices with rotations and the entire Friday practice. He's the guy. He gets to go into the game knowing he's the guy. Um, I think at this point, everyone's leash is a little short. You're just looking for a spark. You're looking for someone who can handle the situation at hand. And uh, that now we turn to Jaron Hall. So if you would like to know more about Jaron Hall, I recommend uh, humbly (laughs) <laughs> that you go to patreon.com slash NFL and just search Jaron Hall on that page. I did a college scouting thing when the Vikings first drafted him. Uh, I did two of the three preseason games he participated in. The other one I didn't really feel like you can learn anything about, otherwise I would have. Um, I did all of his snaps in the Green, Green Bay game, or at least all the ones I found to be relevant, and all of the ones in the Atlanta game, which those two don't add up to be much, and they're parts of larger videos about something else. <laughs> but um, the both of them have a lot more Josh Jobs in them. But you can still see it if you go to my Patreon page. But I'll give you the broad strokes if you don't want to do that. By the way, all of those are free to watch. You do not need to have joined. I would still obviously appreciate it. Um... Here's the broad strokes of Jaron Hall. What we have seen so far 
is. He's quick through his progressions. He can deliver the ball on time where he means to put it. However, he will just get caught sometimes not seeing dudes. Uh, the decisions, he, he makes decisions within structure, which is something Dobbs did not do. Um, and who can blame him? But it, it wasn't going to change, right? And he carries an athleticism that Nick Mullins does not have. For these reasons, because he has the runaround, he doesn't have the athleticism that Dobbs has, but he's got a little, right? He can scramble a little. Um, he doesn't quite have the uh, quick release that Mullins has. I think Mullins gets the ball out faster, but it's okay. And it felt like he, he struck this really nice middle ground between the pros and cons of both Dobbs and Mullins, which is why I've been asking for this for uh, a few weeks now. But it's interesting because as I go back and I did a big giant Patreon video about the Nick Mullins game and the four interceptions broke down all of those and all of his other good, good plays. To me, it's weird because what Dobbs did in that Bears game was markedly worse than what Mullins did in his four interception game. If we're to compare the two four interceptions game, four interception games, the offense moved against Detroit, didn't move at all against the Bears. Um, that kind of implies that Dobbs should have been on a shorter leash, and he wasn't. And the fact that Nick Mullins knows the playbook means maybe you give him a little bit more time, or maybe you don't. Maybe because Josh Dobbs was new, you give him a little bit more leeway to say, well, maybe he'll pick some things up and be better next week. Uh, or he'll be better, you know, let's give him the bye, see if he can learn something. And maybe maybe that's the the logic to being more patient with Josh Dobbs than you were with Nick Mullins. Or maybe it's the fact that you're just excited about Jaron Hall and you want to see what happens if you throw the rookie into the fire. Whatever it is, Jaron Hall likely takes the Vikings through the next through the last two games. I, I can't imagine a scenario where Jaron Hall plays benchably poorly, but also the Vikings are still in playoff contention. Like You're just going to give him the last two games. Uh, so we'll get a nice sample size. We'll get to see exactly what Jaron Hall is made out of. But one thing that I like about Hall that I don't really get from the other two guys. So Nick Mullins just like could not throw accurate balls to the outside consistently at all in the Lions game. Uh, he could throw some absolute darts, just seeds, man, over the middle. Absolutely beautiful. I mean, you you could probably think of it like four of them right off the bat. Post routes to Justin Jefferson. Uh, the, the throw that TJ Hawkinson got hurt on was a really good throw. Uh, and he got hurt after the catch. All kinds of great plays there. Uh, the KJ Osborne won deep down the field right out of halftime. And then there were the throws to the outside, which were not there at all, right? The, uh, a bunch of the interceptions, I think three of the interceptions were to the outside, and one was like kind of on the hash mark and was supposed to be to the outside, just deeply inaccurate trying to throw deep balls to the sideline. Well, guess what Jaron Hall's specialty is? Deep balls to the sideline. We're talking, you know, turkey hole in the in cover two, corner route stuff, go balls. If he has to get a ball to the sideline, he's really like the BYU lived on that. And one of the reasons I liked Jaron Hall going into the draft was because the system that he ran at Kentucky, the system he worked in, was a McVeigh style system. They ran rollouts with flood. They ran a lot of the same concepts where you had to progress to a dig on the backside. Not literally the same concepts, but the idea of one, two on the front side, one, two on the backside, 
uh, and, and having to progress across a full field like that is something that Jaron Hall did in college. And he was able to do, at least in his senior year, which is most of what I watched, uh, or maybe I think all of what I watched uh, when, when he was coming out. And, and you, then you saw that in the preseason. You saw that even in the limited sample we got of him in the regular season. So I don't worry too much about the ball being late, or at least not any later than it would be with the other two guys. You know, think about the choices we have here. Um, my concern with Jaron Hall is more about ball security, which is kind of funny because Kevin O'Connell said, well, we, we got to take care of the ball. So we're putting Jaron Hall in at BYU. Uh, look, it was, there were some bozo turnovers and I've kind of been saying for the last, you know, six weeks or however long it's been since Kirk got hurt. All three of these guys have turnover issues. So you're not going to get rid of turnover issues by putting in one guy or the other. And the hope is that, okay, maybe there's some interceptions, but maybe there's not four of them in a game from this particular guy because there were from the other two guys. Like maybe we can at least keep it to a to a minimum, keep the the game breaking mistakes to a minimum. Um, That has to be the hope, right? But if you look at the BYU uh I'm sure you can find like lowlights or you can find like highlights against BYU. It's rough. Some of these interceptions that he throws are just not even explainable. There's just how did you think that that there was a guy standing right in front of the receiver you were trying to throw out and you threw it right to him. You just didn't see a linebacker that was standing right in front of you. You didn't see a safety coming over the top. Um, sometimes it'll come of him. It'll be very Nick Mullinsy hero ball interceptions. He'll be running around scrambling. He'll flip up a stupid one that gets intercepted. Um, so I don't, I, I, I want to set your expectations to a realistic place. It's not going to stop happening. It's it, there's going to still be turnovers. It's who the Vikings are. And Hey, if they play a clean game, Kevin O'Connell, I saw this stat. I think I saw it from dusty Baker, but he credited someone else. I saw, that stat, uh, the, the Kevin O'Connell has never lost a game where the Vikings were either even or ahead in the turnover battle. Has not yet happened. So do that, win the game. Seems like a pretty good formula. Um, but with Hall, it's really hard to guarantee that. Regardless, though, just like academically, I'm pretty stoked to have him uh, starting. I'm just excited to watch him and and see what what I can find out about him. Right. I get much more exposure to him and the, the team has seen him all year. And now we get to see what they've been seeing uh, coming up on the show. We are going to do prize picks and your bold predictions. Today's episode of Locked On Vikings is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. If you're trying to get a hire in for the new year or you're just gearing up to get that process started for Q1 2024, uh, make sure you go to LinkedIn Jobs. I mean, come on, you got to go to LinkedIn Jobs. You got to get your your posting on LinkedIn. They have millions of qualified potential hires right there. More than a billion, in fact, professionals. It makes it the best place to hire. LinkedIn knows that small businesses have people wearing so many hats that if you are trying to hire for a small business, that is definitely not the only thing you have to worry about right now. And LinkedIn wants to make it easier for you. So they have a ton of people at your disposal and a whole bunch of tools to help you get that job description out, like a a job description writing assist tool, uh, as well as screening tools and stuff to help you pare down that big giant pile of resumes when it comes in. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 
hours. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Thanks again for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. When you're done here, go check out the Locked On Minnesota Sports live sports feed. We are here at Locked On are doing first of their kind 24-7 feeds. If you go to Locked On Sports today, you can see a national one with all sports. Uh, There has not been a thing like this before. Live streamed 24-7, top stories. For some markets, Minnesota gets to be one of them as well as Locked On Sports Today for all sports. So go check them out. If you wait on YouTube on this show uh, and you don't touch any buttons, it'll just take you after the show. It'll just take you right there. So go check it out. Let's move on to our prize picks, prized picks. Been having a lot of fun with prize picks this year uh, and been doing not the best, but not bad. Actually got a dub on some of these demons and goblins last week. So if you join me in that, you uh, would have done okay. The only one that didn't hit was uh, Jordan Addison's yardage because he got hurt. But thankfully, PrizePix has a reboot feature where if a player gets hurt in the first half that you had as part of your play, um, they'll just take it out and treat it like it was, a, you know, if it, I had four uh, picks in mine, treated it like a three-pick one. Pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to do four again. So this week, prize picks is fairly sparse on the Packers and Vikings games. There's a lot more elsewhere. Uh, sometimes that'll happen with late games. You've got to like check in later. But as I am recording this, there's not a lot to choose from. So I have gone outside of the Packers Vikings game for a couple of these. Uh, and again, I'm going in on the demons and goblins. Demons and goblins is a thing that prize picks is doing with, um, some of their more like aggressive stuff. And I think it's a way for them to try to balance touchdowns a little bit more because there's been, we'll say an inefficiency there. I hope you got in while you could. The idea being uh, that if you take something like the first one in mine, which is Justin Jefferson, more than half of a rushing or receiving touchdown, you get boosted payouts, non-standard payouts up to a hundred times your money where on a regular pay play, you can get up to 20, 25 times your money. So these demons and goblins can kind of boost you up or the goblins are a little bit less, a little bit more conservative, but then the uh, prize picks has set those amounts a little bit easier to find as well. Um, I am going ham on the interceptions this week. I'll get to those, but first, yeah, Justin Jefferson, more than half a receiving yard uh, or half a receiving touchdown or rushing touchdown. In talking to Peter yesterday, we talked so much about Jair Alexander, and we recorded that, and then I got on a plane to go from where I grew up, where I was home for Christmas, and then back to where I live now, and uh, when I got off the plane, I saw that they had suspended Jair Alexander, (laughs) so rendered that entire conversation moot, which uh, I I put a note in the show for you if you missed that, but um, so that changes a lot. And the way that the Packers secondary really shut down Justin Jefferson last time, part of it was because the Vikings had their like footing issue, right? And there were times when that concept totally would have worked out, but but Jeff- Jefferson fell down or he fell down and the ball, he was open and the ball went past his corpse right into a Packers arms, right? Like there were these like major moments where that happened. So part of it was just JJ kind of being dumb and not wearing the right cleats. That's on him. 
But what the Packers did strategically was the same thing a lot of teams did. They did cover two all day long, and they had Jair Alexander shadow Justin Jefferson, press him, and jam him. And Alexander has a nasty press, but to press that nasty, to really get into somebody, is a very risky proposition for a defensive back. You can't do that if you don't have safety help. You just you shouldn't be allowed to do that if you don't have safety help. That's not a thing about what Jair Alexander is or isn't capable of. I still think he's a good corner. I know he hasn't been as good lately, but I still think he's a good corner. Um, but it's more that like if you try to press somebody that hard and you don't have safety help, you are getting chewed out when you get to the sideline. That's a t- terrible idea. Nobody should do it. But when you do have safety help, you can go ham. Um, because what's he going to do? Beat you deep? There's a safety there, right? Uh, so jam away, push with reckless abandon. And that's what Jair Alexander did. And he's really, really nasty when he does that. So great job of the Packers for setting him up for success. Like everybody got really mad. Like Packers fans will get really mad when you point that out. And it's like, there's no shame in that, right? The Packers set up your really good player for success. And then he had success. What, like, what are you mad about? They can't do that without him though. Right? Like they, I mean, they can still do that and they might still do something like that, but it's not going to hit the same. Um, it's going to be, you know, Carrington Valentine and Eric Stokes. Like these guys are not going to be the same. So I have a feeling you see a little bit, uh, you're, you're going to see a lot of too high from the Packers. Um, maybe even quarter, quarter, half. Cause Joe Barry, he's, he is their Ed Donatel right now. They had a streak of like three weeks in a row or something like that, where they kept giving up NFC players, <laughs> NFC offensive players of the week, like over and over. It's rough on that defense right now. And without Jair Alexander, I don't know what they do for Justin Jefferson other than like sell out so hard that the Vikings can just like run forever on them or something like that. Or maybe this becomes the Brandon Powell game or something insane. Anyways, um, I have a I, I have a good feeling about JJ in this game. Uh, similarly, I have a bad feeling about the Vikings defense. Uh, and Jordan loves more than less than is at 239.5 passing yards. That's not that much. So I put a more than in there. Uh, I just see the, the, like Jordan love is better than he was in on Halloween. When, when we saw him last, he has taken a couple of steps forward and the Vikings defense is just on its heels. Possibly no Byron Murphy again. He has not practiced. Um, they're banged up and, they're like super figured out by especially McVay style offenses. Well, guess what the Packers are. And I feel like they're a little bit more confident in what Jordan Love can do now. So they're not going to come with the Mickey Mouse nonsense that they came out with before. Um, It's interesting. This will be the second time a team has played the Brian Flores defense for the second time. The Bears did it and they came out with a very Mickey Mouse game plan. I I don't think the Packers are going to do that. I think they're going to see the tape from the Lions and Bengals, and until proven otherwise, I don't know if the Vikings have the tools to stop it. Uh, In terms of the interception ones that I'm so bullish on, Brock Purdy more than half an interception. He threw four last time. That just seems decent uh, going up against the Washington Commanders. Now, the Commanders aren't exactly... I don't think they do a lot of turnovers, but if I remember at least from the Vikings game, Brock Purdy just does throw them up sometimes. He just does kind of heave up go, jump balls and stuff. So I could see like a Benjamin St. Juiced, you know, making a clutch play kind of thing. Um, and then I also put Josh Allen, who's going up against the New England Patriots, more than half an interception. Um, that 
is also, I mean, it's just kind of the way Josh Allen has been playing. So it's more kind of betting on interceptions from those two guys rather than betting on the defenses that they're playing, which may turn out to burn me. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I always like to do the flex play option, which means that I can still win some money if one of if I only get three out of four correct. Um, but if you want, you can do the power play, which is more standard four out of four. And if I did the power play, I'd be winning 18 times my money on that with three uh, of their demon options. So you can go wherever you want or you can disagree with me and go another direction. Check all of that out at prize picks. Today's episode of Locked On Vikings is brought to you by DoorDash. DoorDash is an incredibly clutch option, especially here in the limbo times between Christmas and New Year's where time doesn't exist. Uh, I'm not cooking, man. I'm not going to meal prep. I'm getting something delivered. Let's be honest here, especially when there is a game on. You don't want to get up and have to run out and get food and miss a bunch of stuff. So head on over to the DoorDash app and browse through it. Find stuff that you maybe didn't know existed. Uh, some hole-in-the-wall stuff, mom-and-pop shops that just aren't on a street that you typically go by, but they can be pretty good. I found a few by me, to be sure. You can get 50% off of a $10 value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order. Just download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23, subject to change terms apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. It's America's favorite sports book, and it's America's favorite sports book for a reason. You can find all sorts of wacky parlays, spreads, over-unders, and player props there. And you can also get in on a lot of really cool promos that are very often on uh, FanDuel. So check out FanDuel.com or the website every once in a while. If you're already signed up, like check back. You're going to find some pretty cool promo stuff. You can also, if you are new, get 150 bucks back in bonus bets for winning any $5 Moneyline bets. You can pick any favorite, no matter how strong, how heavy a favorite they are, put five bucks on their money line. And assuming they do win, you get 150 bucks back in bonus bets. That's 30 to one odds on a heavy favorite. You're not going to find anything like that anywhere else. So head on over to fanduel.com slash locked on and finish the season right. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. Time for the best part of any given week on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. It's time for the bold predictions. I got a little Southern there. That was weird. Uh, it's time for the bold prediction segment. This is where I take your craziest predictions, the wildest things you can possibly come up with. And if any of them hit, I get punished. We haven't had that yet, and that's the way it should be. So here's how this works. I ask you for bold predictions. I pick some of my favorites. I read them off, and then they're locked in stone. Let's go back to the Detroit game and see if we grab any of these bold predictions. The first one came from Torm Hustvit, who said that Sam Laporta and Hawkinson would have the most yards combined as tight ends in any game in history. Laporta kind of a quiet one, but... Uh, and Hawkinson got hurt, although he was having a pretty good game, like 40-some yards. But no, we did not set any records. Uh, both of them acquitted themselves well. Laporta did a lot in the blocking, I will say. He, he was good there when, with all those Jameer Gibbs runs. Shadow Flame says that the TJ Hawkinson revenge and legacy game would happen. Hawkinson scores multiple TDs, including the game winner. Well, there was no game-winning touchdown. Now was there. If there were one, it would have been to Justin Jefferson anyways, but that got intercepted instead. 
Uh, Minnesota sports appreciator said that Santa travels roughly 13,000 times the speed of sound in celebration. A Viking player will have the fastest sprint speed recorded on a touchdown play this year. Currently, that honor belongs to DK Metcalf, who went up to 22.23 miles per hour in week 13 on a 73-yard reception touchdown. The highest one for, oh my God, like seven of these are Miami. Uh, the highest one for Minnesota is not on the list. Very nice. <laughs> so I guess we didn't get there. Um, the next one came from Landon Renly, who said that the Vikings would abandon the tush push and embrace CJ Ham. Ham has four carries all in under two yards to go situations, and he would convert all of them. Uh, did, they did sneak once, didn't they? Or did they hand that off? They had a third and short that they like easily uh converted but I, I forget if it was a sneak or not i don't think it was uh sports guy 79 said that there would there it wasn't cj ham though i'm pretty sure it was chandler uh he said that there would be more fake punts than actual punts in the game alas we were not treated to any fake punts and doug brown said that the lions would wear horrible gray jerseys and both teams are punished with an interception fest at least three interceptions per team so we did get an interception fest it wasn't that balanced we got five total turnovers uh, with a fumble from the Lions and then the four Mullins interceptions. But we did get an interception fest, and the Vikings were punished for their aesthetic sins. So you really got this in spirit pretty well. Uh, the, of course, you know, you you were cooked as soon as the Lions wore the blueberries, which uh, or they call that's what they call their, like, blue-on-blue blue uniforms. Which, after I posted the show, a couple people, like, messaged me and were like, yeah, it says, they, rumor has it they're going to wear the blueberries, so the gray's not going to happen. Which, you know, thank God, but of course, bummer that that one was over before it started. But I will say, the Vikings did make a major aesthetic faux pas in abandoning the white end zones on their whiteout. Last year, they had that white end zone. It looked rockin'. It was very cool. This year, they did not have the white end zones. Once again, the Vikings are betraying the uh, the vibes of their jersey aesthetics by not bringing the end zones along. When you do the throwbacks, we need to see those argyles. When you do the whiteout, we need to see those white end zones. You're not going to win a game in your alts until you start doing this. That's science. That's analytics. Listen up, Vikings. You got to commit and do your end zones. Uh <laughs> Okay, let's move on to the bold predictions from the Green Bay game. Less of them this time. Uh, people, I think, are still a little tired from the holidays, but they are very, very, very good. Uh, we'll start with Jace Evers, who said that Ty Chandler will score more touchdowns than the Packers score points. Kind of going to have to have shutout city for this to happen, or you're going to have to have... Um, so you said more, by the way. Ties don't count. Um you're going to have to have, you know, a, a 27 to three kind of game, or it would have to be more than that. It would be 30 to three, 31 to three with four Ty Chandler touchdowns. It'd have to be like the Dalvin Cook Lambeau game and four touchdowns. Um, can be receiving touchdowns, though. You did not specify rushing or receiving, so you're open on both of those. But you're going to have to have, of course, you know, a pretty low defensive total. As soon as the backers score a touchdown, this one's pretty out. Max Brouse said that Greg Joseph will miss what could have been a game-winning field goal as time expires. Packers win, and this field goal miss also causes someone to lose their fantasy football Super Bowl, potentially from James and Arif's Hell League. I adore this one. This is one of my favorite ones that I've gotten all year. Okay, so I'm going to have to amend it a little bit. I'm going to open it up just a little. Very, very bold. I'm going to make it slightly less bold. For one, I don't need it to be a Packers win necessarily, uh, and I that means that um, 
it can be a like a game-winning field goal as regulation expires and then we go into overtime, that would count. Or a game-winning field goal potentially as overtime expires and we get a tie or that could have been, you know, the win or loss also. But it has to be a clock hits zero on the field goal. It has to be a potential game-winning field goal. What else happens around that, I'm not particularly concerned with. And what I'm going to do as well is remove the potentially. It has to cause somebody to lose a Hell League championship. So if you are unfamiliar, the Hell League is something from another Vikings podcast called Norse Code. They have a fantasy league that started out as a joke where uh, about missing kickers, missing extra points because we had that so much that one year uh, and <laughs> all years. And it would be like minus 25 points for a missed extra point, right? It would ruin your whole fantasy day. And then it like evolved into to getting points for field goal yards and they have a safety now and defensive scoring is insane. It's insane scoring. It's the worst fan of fantasy football league I've ever been a part of. I hate it and I love it. And it, and there's, I think, like eight versions of, the, of a hell league with all of Norse Code's people. So it has to be one of those hell leagues. They have to have Greg Joseph in it and it has to be the difference between them winning and losing. Uh, Minnesota sports appreciator says that in the, uh, in honor of balls dropping on NYE, the Vikings and Packers will get the party started with a combined six drops between the two teams. I don't think that that is a high enough number with six. He picked six because it's going to be 2024 and two plus four. Um, I don't think that's going to be it. I I'm going to, I'm going to up that to 10 drops, just a nice round, even number that feels a little bit more bold to me. The Vikings put up six drops on their own, like two weeks ago. So it feels like 10 is a, is a harder number to, to hit. Plus this is a, two, two very drop prone teams. Vikings have a lot of drops. The Packers have a ton of drops. So I, I feel like we can juice this up. Shadow flame says at least three interceptions are thrown by the Vikings, but each by a different player. Uh, Jesus Christ, I love this one. I adore this one. So we must also have an interception fest. We we have a few ways we can get to this, right? We can get Jaron Hall and Nick Mullins. Josh Dobbs will be the emergency third QB. It can be him, but it would require both Hall and Mullins to get hurt, not benched. Or we could bench one. We we could bench Hall. He has interceptions. Then Nick Mullins throws an interception. And then we got to have like a trick play. Justin Jefferson throws an interception kind of thing. So there's a few different lanes here. Uh, all of them are funny. I love it. Uh, School Train 87 is the last one who said the most rushing yards in a game by a Vikings running back versus the Packers in, was Adrian Peterson in 2012. Yeah, that 210-yard game. Y'all remember when he went over 2,000 yards. The most rushing yards in a game by a QB versus the Packers was Dante Culpepper in 2001. He had 75 yards rushing. That's interesting. I kind of thought he had more in the 2004 playoff game, but whatever. Uh, I'll take your word for it. He says the Vikings starting running back and quarterback will break both of those records in this game. I absolutely adore it. That is going to do it for this week here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. I hope you all have a great New Year. Stay safe out there. All right. We'll be there with a postcast. I have no idea who's going to be on it, but I know I will be uh, after the game on New Year's Eve. We'll be live breaking down the game, and then we'll all scurry off to whatever festivities we have. Um, so I will see you all for that. And as always, it's cool.